Hey, Hound Dogs, I'm David Hankins. I'm Paul Hankins. I'm Julie Cannon. And you're on the air with Power Squared. This week we have a special guest, uh, Kevin Crust. Uh, Who? What? Hi. <laughs> what? She said, huh? Oh, thanks. Uh, she one time yelled out, No, at the very start of the. <laughs> You never tell what she'll yell out. So Kevin uh, is interested in learning about comic books or behind the scenes of a comic book. Very much. Okay. So, uh, and you two know each other. Through, we do. Through yeah. Discord. That's, we always like to introduce how yeah. we know somebody or how somebody knows mm -hmm. us. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I know Julia. And and you've actually read Power Squared, which gives you a leg up. I've read Power Squared. <laughs> it's a it's um it's a very it's I mean it's a really fun comic. You guys capture really fun energy with it, and the art's wonderful, and yeah, it's all it's a good time. All right, so. good. Well, that's not why we have you on the show, but uh, I'm always amazed that someone's actually read it. So. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> yeah, what's the old saying? Is you show a guy where a comic book store is, he'll be broke for a week. If you show him how to make one, he's broke for life. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, you want to be broke um, for life. So uh, let's. Uh, what questions so. do you have for us? So I, I think it more so comes down to the process. I mentioned this a little bit before we started, but I think uh, in in the modern day, especially with a lot of the types of of content and things that people you see with with uh, the in depth behind the scenes stuff with with film and television and music production and even with animation at this point. And I, I feel like comics. Be, I, I'm not sure what the reason is, especially with. The popularity of, of things like the MCU and and things that have you know come from the inspiration of comics, but comics don't seem to have that kind of a, a back catalog of like information unless you go back to you know the old editors stuff and the old Marvel issues and right. and DC issues and 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 things of that nature. And so I was really curious to just see how it differs and and kind of use more and 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 through like the lens of like of entertainment now how those types of things kind of are similar because I find a lot of those mediums do have a lot of similarities but also differ a lot. So one of the one of the first things I have in my notes is I was curious about in film there's like a page to screen rule uh, where it's like every page written is equivalent to around a minute of screen time. I was curious if there is there an equivalent of that for comic books like is there is in terms of script writing because I know it can vary based on the number of panels and how in depth the panels are but like in terms of script format I know there's not a traditional standard for comics and I was curious sort of what your approach with Powers Squared is to how you write and if you there is anything you keep in mind in terms of pacing and timing like that while you're writing or in terms of like page count well we're a 20 page comic book so mm -hmm. that's kind of the you know the story can go beyond that but that's kind of when we're writing an issue that's kind of keep that in mind mostly you know because it costs money to do. <laughs> um, I think we try to sort of uh, identify what's going to happen in each panel. Yeah. We don't just write, here's what's going to happen, and, and, and trust the artist to figure it out. We kind of like to mm -hmm. say, okay, in this panel, this happens, in this panel, in this panel, in this panel. Yeah. Uh, so I think, uh, yeah, there's no standard uh, script formats, but I adopted a format where you uh do a page break at the end of every uh page of the comic right. uh so then it's easier to look at well it's easier for the artist to look at uh it generally ends up with that format it ends up generally being 20 script pages per 20 comic pages but depending mm. on the amount of description it can go longer right and also the amount of description uh depends on uh 
I guess, uh, how much uh, direction you need to give your particular artist. Right. And sometimes you can add, like, I know I've added an image of something look like this or whatever. I mean, it doesn't have to be just pure text. Yeah. And it's not that mm. you don't, you know, in some cases, I, I remember when with uh, Rachel, when she was doing, when she was the artist, I was trying to explain something to her that happened to me as a child, but she had no idea what I was talking about. Uh, when somebody, before they had seat belts in cars, when you come to a, a stop, your mother would put her arm out to try to stop you from going forward, and she had no clue what I was talking about. So I had to like try to find an image of that to show to her, and I couldn't find one. I just sort of had to fake it. But I you know. found on my Hero Academia screen kit. That's right. <laughs> we did find it that way. So I mean, you have to like you know some it's but sometimes you want to try to get across an, uh, something and perhaps showing them an image of what you're trying to do is easier than just writing it out. I, mean, I know we've done that with Julia. Mm -hmm. Some with uh, like the dog being run over, right? <laughs> Yeah, I'm just like, he showed me, because he showed me a picture once of, like, a dog, like, literally stuck inside the car. I'm like, so did he get, like, like, he ran into it and he got stuck with the car with them? Or, I was like, no, it's the ankle. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I figured that was there. So, you know, it's, some of it is, uh, so, but basically, yeah, we try to, I think we, and I know with, uh, I know Rachel did this, and to a certain degree, Julia does it, they can come up with, hey, why don't we combine these two panels together uh, or move that? I mean, uh, Rachel would move something to another page sometimes if she thought that would work better. So it's mm -hmm. a collaborative, you know, we're not trying to like what we, what we've given you is in cement, you can't change it. Uh, but uh, it, so we have to kind of, you know, go along, you know, go with the flow if something is working better for someone doing a visual of it, right? Yeah. I gotcha. That's um. It, so in to 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 spin off of that a little bit in, in terms of so working with multiple artists and stuff with for a comic. How do you typically go about in when you're when you're selecting an illustrator or selecting an art style? What are the typically the types of things that you you have in mind or that you're thinking of when you are trying to lock in the art direction for an idea? Well. <laughs> Uh, we've we've really only worked with three artists on on Power Squared, and mm -hmm. you're sometimes uh, the first guy we had who did the first five issues. Uh, you kind of were limited sometimes in what he could do. Yeah, um, and you, so you can't kind of over you know expect them to come up with something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, um, and I know we keep saying Rachel Rachel Wells did issues from six to 20 or 19 or something she did a lot of issues for us i believe or okay 23 whatever uh, she did a lot of issues for us so she uh was our artist for several years um and i guess we we threw things at her and she was able to kind of you know she liked drawing animals so when we were getting to the yokai she liked doing that kind of stuff yeah um but we had sort of an idea that we were sort of a Western anime. Uh, kind of an anime-esque art style, but not uh, trying to full-on copy it. So, like, mm -hmm. uh, for example, like, Avatar The Last Airbender was anime-inspired. Right. Right. So we were, we were kind of going for something that was also, what was it, Megas XLR? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I remember Megas XLR. Yeah. So we were, I think that was the... 
the example we used for <laughs> trying to first find an artist. We we tried um, going through something at Comic Con and WonderCon called the Comic Creator Connection, which is basically speed dating for writers and artists. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did that like four times. Yeah. And uh, almost almost had a date out of it, but uh, <laughs> that kind of fell apart. And uh, we ended up finding the first artist on uh, in a Facebook group. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, because actually there was somebody that I was interested in trying to, to approach, and I noticed that he was in this Facebook group. And so I thought, let's try them. And so we found the uh, several people wanted to draw it. So we said, okay, here's a page, and you know, draw it, and we'll see what we, which one we like better. And this one guy did pretty much a full scale. Yeah. Ink the page. One guy did it sort of on the back of the script kind of a deal. So we went with the guy that did the full page. And uh, again, we had him for like five issues. And it was taking a long time to get the five issues out. It wasn't working out. Yeah. And uh, we had a colorist. Uh, we'd had three colorists by that time. The first colorist didn't work out at all. We had to like junk everything he had done. And we found one uh, through. Um, Chip Mosier at, at uh, Comixology uh, was was nice, oh, yeah. was nice to us for a while and um, helped us find somebody through SCAD. He connected us with a couple of professors there, and they suggested some students. And we ended up hiring somebody who was a friend of one of the people we wanted to hire because yeah. uh, they were reasonably pr- priced. Um, and uh, she did it for... Uh, or he did it, I should say, for yeah. uh, two issues and or three, and then had to back out. And so it was a friend of theirs that took over. And by the time we were getting through issue five, we all realized that maybe we needed to find new artists. So that colorist helped us find Rachel, who was also a SCAD graduate. Yeah. And then we found another SCAD graduate to be the colorist. And then uh, she, we seem to kind of go through colorist because <laughs> uh, she did several issues and decided she wanted to do something else, which was fine. And then that's how we got Julia. And then uh, uh, Rachel decided after a while that she wanted to get into illustrations, children's illustrations. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Julia had shown us that she could draw. Um, I always point back to uh, we were doing a signing at uh, Golden Apple. Uh, which was, you know, a lot of a lot of spare time, free time for us there. Um, and uh, she drew this uh, ch- chibi of mocha, and I thought that was really, you know, and just out of the blue, right? Talking to you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because like we were, because like we had the table for like a good couple of hours. So I, something I always notice sometimes with signings, especially like with comic stuff, people tend to do like little sketches and stuff while. Like we're like sitting at the table for the signing, so I decided to do a little sketches, like see if I can get some like people to catch like catch people's eyes, and then you guys ended up taking a peek at it. Yeah, and uh, so uh, we knew that she could draw, and it's we're not going for sort of much of a chibi style, but we knew that she could draw. So when Rachel uh, bowed out, we offered it to Julia, mm-hmm. and, and they somehow like the test page thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, so she's been doing, the, you're working on your third issue for us? Yes. Right. Um, I started around issue 24 and we're working. Yeah, 25 and 26, right. So that's where we're working on 26. Mm-hmm. 
So um, basically, you, you know, you trust that they, if you come up, we're not coming up with too fantastical of a circumstance, really. Right. So we're, you know, we work with her in this case on like the issue we're working on now is she'll do sort of kind of like um, placement, right? Mm -hmm. And then she'll then take it and we'll talk about it and make changes and then she'll do a sketch and then we'll you know look at that and if when it's finished it's she inks it and then hopefully give it to Jen at some point to color <laughs> so anyway um, I don't know if that really answered your question or just talked about no very it. <laughs> much no, I mean that honestly that answers a lot of, it answers a lot of the stuff I was going to follow up on with that with it's it's I think it's it's very interesting because you see, as I was referring earlier, how there are a lot of similarities between screen and, and, and comics, specifically because of the way that things are visualized, but also just how they diverge and how it, it's sim like seeing the similarities between uh, between things like working with a director of photography and working with an illustrator and how you describe that and how you break that down. And I think you covered a lot of that in, in that answer. Wow, okay. um, so, <laughs> you know, it's it's it was it was a very good answer. The. Um, for um so one, once you have a finalized issue and you are getting to the point where you're 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 getting ready to print are there things other than like the number of sides and and things like that that you're looking at in terms of of pre preparing it once it's finished when you start to prepare it for publishing are there things you keep in mind for digital publishing versus physical or or vice versa or well we basically use um a template that uh i guess it's kablams which i'm sure is probably a more of a universal template, but they have it up on their website as far as mm -hmm. where the margins are and all that. Um, and we don't really make a differential between digital and print as far as the layouts or any of that kind of stuff. Um, it's, I noticed with some of the earlier issues, that whole little margin thing was kind of hickledy pickledy kind of, you know, it wasn't all very, so I have to go back and re, I, I spent, uh, couple of days going back to the first um, uh, trade that we did and I don't and I probably didn't have to do this but I really went through back and redid all the margins and uh, because a guy in Australia had talked about it to a, a teacher there had mentioned talking about creativity talked about uh, our comic book because we're connected on LinkedIn and mm -hmm. uh, I was really happy to hear that and he said that they liked the idea so I wanted to send them a trade you know so he could show it to them or whatever and give it to them and so I, I decided I should go back and redo all the margins on the first trade because I think the the Kablam version wasn't as good as the Arctic, the Arctic Miracle one was kind of lined up but the Kablam one wasn't right. so uh, I went back and redid all those margins and sent it to him and he was going to show it to, give it to his kids or I don't know I think they're college students actually when I say kids um, <laughs> but uh, um, you just have to you want to make sure it looks good and then we've had it where we we, we do a proof with uh, the two we have right now two physical printers that we use uh, one is Kablam and they put it up on their their site called Indie Planet, and mm -hmm. uh, we also work with Artithmeric.com, which is out of London, uh, and they they do kind of uh, they used to do kind of a different size, but now they kind of come back to sort of being yeah yeah more of a universal size. 
uh, but they also gives us sort of a presence in you know England or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll send off proofs, and then we get those back, like with issue twenty-two. Yeah, there was some like issue, some coloring that we needed to get fixed. So, Sorry. right? No, but I mean, I'm just <laughs> saying part of what you want to do a proof to see that it looks good on the page, well, yeah. and th- that's a way of finding cheaply before you give it to everybody in the world. You know, hopefully, um, issues that something that jumps out because. I know that in the process we've had before where you see it visually inked and then you see it colored, then, oh, wait, that's not right. I mean, every every step of the way is a different, you know, look at it. Yeah. And uh, we, I, we've had the situation before where we've gone back and uh, changed the uh, a character because it didn't look right. I mean, it would look like another character, and so we want to go back and sort of change that. And that's been at the almost going to print stage right um so we're just i think we're always trying to look at it to, at every little stage and so the proofs is sort of like what's it going to look like printed um it's another chance to sort of go over it and something i've learned that uh, i heard that stuck with me is the letterer is the last line of defense <laughs> <laughs> and our letterer is actually trevor hankins who's my son and his twin brother and so he's sort of the last person to say something usually yeah. if there's but um in you mentioned uh in the pre that that you do for for character designs and and how you're checking for consistencies in that and and consistencies between characters in the printing process is there a, for for how you work with with the story and with what you're doing do you typically do character designs while you're like pre-production tossing around an idea or is it more of a in in the context of the scenes you begin to Actually, start or you leave it to the artists well it depends really on the and julia can speak to this if she wanted to um, yeah, um it depends on the character like we have a character in the current issue that's sort of uh uh kind of a He's a returning character from another book, but we mm-hmm. want to have sort of a certain look for him. Julia, do you want? To... Yeah. So, like when he, so when we were talking about it the first time, he just gave me like a like a drag description, like oh, he's gonna be this yokai, he's gonna be this ethnicity and all that stuff. And then I piggybacked on that, and then I tried to think of like a concept, and I like the one thing I didn't get in the first in the first passing was a. Uh, if it was a boy or a girl, so I sketched up a mock of like a boy and a girl, and then I gave them mm-hmm. that. And then I think after they saw like the sketches of them, we talked about it for a bit, and then they talked about the idea of like, what if we make it like one of the characters that the artist prior Rachel did for? So then after that idea flew up, um, we thought they thought about it for a minute, and then I just told them like, once we figured out if you guys wanted that design or something entirely different let me know and then after about a day or two he messages me going let's go with one of let's go with the yokai or sorry let's go with the character from this issue for this one yeah and then i just went from there i did a little modifications to it just to prove that some time has gone by and then like that's how i that's how i did it but usually when they want like a specific description for a character um they would give me a description and if not i usually either put it as like fair game like i get to decide or I end up asking them, like, hey, did you have an idea for that? And they say, no, we'll leave it up to you. Then that's when I start thinking on, like, how to do it. And that's when we get really nervous. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 yeah, 
No, I'm kidding. Um, I mean, as you should. <laughs> yeah, but it depends on, I mean, you know, like for the main characters, we wanted to have a certain, you know, that we want them to look alike and but have some right. differences and things like that. So it depends on really how uh, big of a character it's going to be, really. Right. And I know with we have a lot of yokai in the issue that we're working on, and so she was, Julia drew some, her, you know, first shot at what those would look like as yokai, right? Yeah. But there's... Yeah, I think I just, like, I think for that one, I was just, like, um, like, watch, like, usually I'll watch stuff whenever I work, and I know sometimes, like, especially with the group you wanted, like, it was going to be, like, multiple people, so I just kind of, like, took caution to the wind and then just sketched up a first like few guys I can think of because I know like in terms of the group I wanted them to look distinct but I also didn't want to like I guess like overstress that to a point where it's like it didn't matter anymore if that makes any sense so yeah. like I did the best mm -hmm. I could with that <laughs> yeah so it, it depends on really if the you know if we're having you know if we're going to introduce a main character or something that's going to be in the story arc multiple times then we would probably want to do a, a character design but if it's just sort of a I'll say a mob character we don't really mm -hmm. ask for that. Yeah. In in terms of this, this one might be more for Julia, uh, both working on the color and the illustration side, are there typical things you're thinking of in terms of coloring for differentiating characters? Like, are there, are there, in, do you look at color or do you use color to represent different characters in different ways? Or does, does it really kind of just depend on the scene and how you're trying to, to illustrate a scene as a whole? Um, I think it mainly depends. Like sometimes I, play around with like the like color like colors just to like figure out like um i guess like the person's like mood or like how they're portrayed but mm. for like most of it they've been like they've been giving me like palettes for like a lot of the characters so whenever i do handle the coloring um it's mostly on like their guide because when i so when i first started off as a colorist um they gave me a coloring guide that gave me like the main colors they would use for certain scenes and mm -hmm. like the main cast or like if there's a new character they'll send me an email or like an image saying hey this is the new character for the stuff do what you got to do like that kind of thing <laughs> um there were some instances where like um like they let me do free reign where i would ask like the artist like hey was there a concept for like a good example of it was um the parents um because on or um because like i remember i worked on an issue a while back where we were like dealing with parents um, I was not given a uh, I was not given a color guide for that. So when I asked the artist, like, "Hey, did you have an idea for the color palette for this one?" She like she said, "Like, no, I didn't. Um, I like I figured like you would take care of it, which I did." So it was one of those things where um, the main thing I thought of is just I wanted to at least have one parent have the characteristics that uh, like Marty and Eli had. So it's like one of those things. Like the more you play around with the characters you have on hand, you have a good idea on how you're gonna color like. The rest of the characters you get in the future say if you do end up or you'd give someone free reign for that another mm -hmm. good thing to do too is just like as a general thing is um when doing the coloring uh play around with the grayscale because obviously you do not want things to overlap with each other too much so when right. you put it in grayscale you're able to like differentiate between like what's the object and what's the character and like what color matches will work at the end of the day mm -hmm. so like if that answers your question <laughs> yeah i think that that answers it very well the um, is there anything that that either of you have to add in terms of like? Because I know uh, Julia said that sometimes the palettes are provided. Are there things that you're thinking of when you're trying to come up with characters specifically, or does it just kind of depend situationally? You've introduced a new character. Yeah. Uh, so I wrote two issues 
one of them is still being one of them is on the back burner still yeah or uh hopefully it'll be lettered soon yeah it's in last stage of final stages of production and one of them already came out right. uh so for the one that involved the uh kama itachi i already knew they would look like weasels so we went with just like they look like weasels but i was also i mentioned on uh podcast episodes before that inspiration for that was the uh yosenju archetype from Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so we also took a little bit of inspiration from that uh interpretation uh while still sticking with the uh weasels but, but in that case the color rachel came up with the coloring yeah. the final coloring for all that you, yeah she designed them and then for a one that was uh that we're still uh finalizing uh i uh it was that involves a yukiona which is more humanoid so uh for that i took uh inspiration from a couple color palettes from a pre-existing character who was also based on a yukiona and uh we went from there okay. so did you tell Julia, what colors to use? Uh, or Jen? Um, I, I, for the first, sorry to cut you off. Um, for that part, I, for like the main palette I gave her in the beginning was the palette of the, of her in her schoolgirl uniform. And then, um, I asked her prior going, Hey, um, before I start working on a palette, um, do you want to figure this out on your own or should I help you? She said that she could, like, she can, um, think of something, but I just told her, um, a good guide was to like do the do the Yukiona that you sent me on the script. So I just gave her a screenshot of that one, going like, try going by b- this palette just to get a good feel because like the, the character is based off like Yukiona. So uh, like go off by this palette, and then I'm assuming by what she gave you, you liked what she did. Yeah. Um, I know you mentioned uh, through for the for stuff like you pulled uh, like you pulled inspiration from things like references in Yu-Gi-Oh and and in in like in in more Japanese inspired in media. Are there are there specific points of inspiration or specific things for Power Squared specifically that were points of inspiration for the story or points of inspiration for the characters or the tone or like were bigger ones that stand out to you? For uh, well, I can at least speak to the issues I wrote. I was for. I was trying to uh, trying to word this right. Uh, I took some inf- ins- influence slash inspiration from uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, mm-hmm. uh, specifically the uh, I've been watching the anime and reading the manga. But for the comic, I was taking inspiration from how uh, Araki uh, panels things and how he handles suspense so uh, Mm -hmm. since my issues were more action oriented i was trying to capture uh generally yeah mine are more talky i guess (laughs) but uh i was trying to capture uh the tone and energy of his work without like directly copying (laughs) right um i think the whole idea though to you want it when we were first deciding to do a comic book. You guys yeah. wanted to bring in sort of a one have identical twins as the heroes, yeah. 
which was sort of uh, kind of unique, and then also bring in sort of yokai. Yeah. So it was sort of a, you know, how they got their superpowers was from a yokai, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there was some bigger influences outside of, I mean, just starting to do it of uh, certain ideas that we wanted to, to go work with. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. And so, it, as like I know you've mentioned that that certain issues are worked on uh, I, I, by by either of you are primarily written by one or the other. In terms of of how working collaboratively with multiple writers, are there things tonally that you're thinking of when it comes to passing between writers, or that it comes to like to to add that level of consistency to the story as a whole, or how do how do you go about that editing process? Yeah, how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. Hopefully, I can answer this well. Uh, or you can jump well, in as well. I, when we're going between us for who primarily handles an issue, uh, still try to stay consistent with pre established information and also how the characters talk and act. Right. Uh, I, so when I write an issue, I end up, uh, I guess sort of subconsciously emphasizing Marty more. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually kind of interesting because uh, Trevor wrote uh, his first issue, uh, which was the first issue that Julia worked on, uh, and his emphasis was Eli, yeah. and yours, and you did one, and it, it, they're supposed to happen at the same time. Yeah. So uh, it was kind of it was kind of interesting that they broke out, and so each character was sort of written by the person that's kind of based on. Yeah. So we, I guess, explored them more as individuals and how they would uh, each handle a threat on their own. Right. And then they they also, there were certain, you know, they share certain powers, so they one, one couldn't do something that the other one might be doing at that time. I don't know how much that came mm -hmm. up, but that's part of the, the story. That does come up. Uh, Trevor and I had to actually uh, figure out, like, a or I figured out at what points uh, certain things kind of had to happen uh, between each issue mm -hmm. uh, to maintain consistency between what we wrote. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, writing two simultaneous stories and each by a different writer is another challenge. <laughs> now, was that, did you guys come up with this idea that you, you want to do Marty, you want to do Eli, do a story? And uh, we all started with uh, wanted to try to do something where it was. Uh, two fights happening at the same time and uh they're separated right and we went from there like it was just naturally gravitated like trevor yeah. Eli and i went with marty oh. and i yeah i and i read both of them and they they seemed to sort of you know dovetail back into each other which was that was pretty good yeah so and then because trevor uh, I think Trevor wrote his first, so then I had to be consistent with yeah certain details. Right, but anyway, so I think I think that'll be an interesting story arc when that comes out. Yeah, which is twenty twenty five or something. <laughs> <laughs> so we're trying to put out four the, a year. Is it four a year? How do how do you choose? Is is that just come down to production schedule, or how do you typically choose the rate at which things come down? Is it just as they're ready, or well, is there is there a calculation to it? Well. The, the idea has been we would do eight pages a month as far as mm -hmm. uh, the, the writing's already done. Yeah. yeah, so it's the artist doing eight pages. How's that going? 
Julia? Yes, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the colorist would do eight pages, and then so it would be like a month, you know, she'd be a month behind the artist, and then the letter would be a month behind the colorist. That hasn't necessarily worked out, but that was the idea. We ended up having sort of, uh, I'll say, excess issues. <laughs> you know? uh, so we mm -hmm. were sort of, so we have four, they're ready to go. Uh, this year and then we're working on hopefully there'll be four ready to go next year yeah so that's kind of how it's working out and i think we're we're finishing up the third one as far as the artwork goes for the for next year and then the fourth one so i think we should easily make that but yeah everybody else has to cooperate yeah right so but that it just sort of it worked out that way we were putting out in the beginning we'd put out two issues at a time Right. Yeah. And then we said, oh, we should really space these things out. Yeah. We would do a story arc at a time. So the first time was two issues. The second time was three issues. And then we decided, oh, we should break these up. Because otherwise I was putting too much space between releases. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we're trying to do, you know, we haven't actually set a, f a fixed date. The first one, I think it's like sometime in March, but yeah. we haven't uh, set a, a date. But there were, then it's every three months after that. Yeah. So. That's cool. I, I to to circle back a little bit on something you mentioned earlier. Uh, both of you at various points have mentioned when you're introducing elements or you're pulling from consistency and and information from previous issues. When you're introducing new elements, especially in stories that have supernatural components or you know of of any kind, like how do you when when it comes to introducing new information, how do you kind of process that with writing? Do you think about how it's going to ripple effect in either direction? Or like how how do those tip types of things typically uh, get sorted through in the writing process? Well, first, when you're introducing a new element, you have to make sure it's consistent with what was it fits in with what was previously established. Yeah, we kind of we've kind of set certain, you know, uh, they only have so many powers and things like that. We're not we're not trying to. Oh, and now they can introduce you know fireballs or something. <laughs> we're, to, we're not trying to do that. Uh, so right. we have, we're working with the sort of a set that we, of, of powers that we set up earlier, but then there, other characters had different powers. So yeah, and then when we uh, introduce new characters or new uh, elements of the world, uh, that opens up more storytelling possibilities. Right, because we we were at the in the first issue we introduced a lot of characters that come back in future issues yeah um which, which i thought was kind of fun at the time because we were kind of planning on doing that and then we brought back billy o'shea was sort of a afterthought but yeah. <laughs> we did a whole a couple of issues with him and he needed to have a backstory so we introduced another yokai that was helping him raven and um so and she had certain powers that and then billy had different powers than the boys have his strength and punctuality <laughs> his suit, and he's a truck driver so it works out um but uh so it's it, you it's fun to introduce other you know other yokai and other characters with different sets of powers and stuff but as far as marty and eli goes we've kind of sort of given them a set yeah yeah when writing uh ongoing consist like continuity with thing not, not just continuity but when writing ongoing stories of that nature especially with with introducing various like 
villains in, in the case of Power Squared with the yokai and things like that. How do you typically choose what is going to come up when and in the stories? Like, why? What? What is usually? What is the inspiration that's driven some of the the antagonistic choices or the the introductions of new elements? Like, what in 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 throughout like thematically or tonally or pacing wise? Like we planned it out. <laughs> um. I think I know we can go back to uh, let's say Billy O'Shea. Uh, we introduced him in the first issue as this kid on a video that he sh- that Doctor Atlas is showing to a seminar, showing somebody that has power, you know, superpowers, and um, we decided that you know what happened to him, so we kind of brought him back, uh, and sort of. He's got the same issues they do. This Doctor Atlas guy is trying to get his, you know, blood, and but then you find out that, you know, he's sort of uh, kind of did a little switcheroo where he's kind of working for Doctor Atlas to bring the boys in, so he'll be left alone, that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, so, kind of, you know, I, I I think there's a tendency to have things get more and more serious as you go. Yeah. Um, but you still want them to be kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we bringing him in and then coming up with a yokai that would be sort of his, I don't want to say keeper or helper or whatever. The sort of relationship that they have with Mocha. Like a mentor. Mentor. Um, uh, we were able to sort of like, okay, come up with somebody has you know totally different powers and how did they meet and all that kind of stuff you want to sort of keep it kind of familiar but different yeah right so like honestly when i saw that page for the first time of like billy just like what he was doing i had to like go back to the ages like wait 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 a minute <laughs> I, had to, I had to like do it like, wait is this is this what, is this what i think it is oh so i mentioned uh power squared the issues uh we came up with after the first uh story we came up with uh scripts for we came up with ideas for other stories and Mm -hmm. they weren't necessarily produced in the order they were written uh we figured it was the right time to produce that those scripts also got uh some rewrites to fit in with where it actually is now yeah and actually when we did the uh first uh actually we remastered the first trade we went back and kind of tried to maybe a little bit of dialogue here and there to sort of make it fit more with what's going on in the book yeah uh, we didn't change any artwork and we didn't really change any of the story too much but just maybe something that might hint at something going on in the future yeah uh that maybe we had thought of when we wrote the first five issues or uh and i know that we've in the second trade we sort of fixed a uh an issue yeah that some dialogue that everybody liked so we try to fix that um so you know we're not we don't want to go back we're really we don't want to go back and revise anything anymore especially yeah. the first five issues we're, we're <laughs> done with those um but you just sort of you want to sort of keep it sort of consistent throughout yeah. 
Uh, when you go back and have made changes like that for the physicals, have you gone and done so for the digitals as well, or do you leave those in their original form? Uh, I know we did it for the physical. I don't know if we did went back and changed the digital. I don't remember doing that. Yeah, I think we did. So there's multiple <laughs> versions out there, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, and we came up with uh, SRCC Press as a sort of a... The, the, the action, the boys are going to San Romero Community College, the home of the Hound Dogs, as we're all wearing the t shirt. Uh, and uh, we was like, you know, maybe have a, like, it's, I don't know who is publishing our books. We decided to sort of have it be a university press. So it's SRCC Press. And we mm-hmm. actually went back and put that on some of the physical issues, the previous ones. Yeah. Uh, but we really haven't messed with the digital too much. I don't think so. Yeah, I think whatever's out there is out there kind of deal. And we didn't... That's fun. When we redid the the stories, I think we we have it where we could... If we're going to print the first five issues again, well, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to encompass the changes that we made, but as far as going back and changing something. And even if you sign up for the uh, sign up for the newsletter, you get a free, uh, free issue sent to you digitally. And it's the same, the, the first issue that we put out. Yeah. Exactly the way it was. <laughs> yeah, actually, sorry, Kevin, if I were going to ask a question. Mm-hmm. I, I'm actually curious about something. Um, and I think this might help with you if you ever like have to start revising stuff. So I know, in like, like I know, like when it comes to like, um, like, um, video, pro- like, vi- like TV show and like video production and then comic book writing, they have their similarities and their differences. So I'm curious about this. Um, I remember when I used to take screenwriting classes, whenever we would write scripts, um, our professor would always talk about like if you're trying to write for like an audience, their best, the best, your best bet is to try to like write between an audience between like a middle schooler and a high schooler because that's where the mentality of like, I guess consumers are in terms of like a headspace. So would you say you would follow that like in turn with comic book writing or would you like how would that go about when you're writing something would you write it within the mentality of like writing for like the audience of say said middle schoolers and high schooler like mentality or would or like would you still try to like I guess go off like against the grain on that in terms of like writing like the story itself who are you asking you you, you. oh I saw. <laughs> <laughs> uh I think we were trying to write it with a the idea that these weren't kids, like little children reading them. Yeah, of course. Uh, we were trying to sort of, um, I think, kind of go for a college age, because that's who the characters are, but then that means you're kind of aiming it at, really at, at sort of high school yeah. kids. Um, and so we were trying to, we're not trying to be like, you know, keep with the you know hip lingo or whatever <laughs> uh so we're just you know we're just kind of trying to and we actually gave uh marty sort of this idea that he would like have these older references right yeah he speaks an outdated slang yeah so there's just sort of a way of of sort of not trying to keep up with that kind of stuff um so we're trying to make them more uh without doing that you're trying to make it last i'll say last longer than you know the current Whatever. In five years, like, what are they saying here? I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we're, we're like not, you're trying, not trying to date it. In no, a way. we're yeah. trying not to date <laughs> it. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just 
but usually, no, but, you, but actually, the, I mean, the average reader in America is probably reads at a sixth grade level. I mean, that's what they, that's what like newspapers used to shoot for. So you're not trying mm -hmm. to write really complex, um, you know, to, to complex. Uh, you're not using the word astronomical every other time. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you're trying to make it sort of be a general, you know, yeah. people could pick up on it without necessarily having to think about uh, does that really work scientifically you know <laughs> I, I mean I think that kind of encompasses everything I had to ask or everything I was curious about okay uh, so tell us what is what idea do you have to work on so I'm working on it's it's a post-apocalypse story uh, I'm, I'm trying not to say too much about it at this point in time just because it's it's being <coughs> shopped around a bit in 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 it's still being worked on and and solidifying the first okay. handful of issues in the scripts but the essential concept is it's an apocalypse story uh exploring human morality in a setting where uh where the po a par portion of the population vanishes essentially and and how that affects the eco structure and the economy structure and the social structure and how different people process and and do that and it's more or less an exploration of human ethics in an extreme situation wow. And so it's 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 meant to kind of lean on a lot of the the types of things like there's a lot of inspiration from The Last of Us and I mean obviously there's things with you can look at with like Infinity War even and Infinity Gauntlet in the comics how that ripple effects through other comics and other characters and stories and and things like that. We were we were once on a somebody else's podcast and there were uh, other creators on there and they were all telling these. Ours is post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic. We said, well, we're pre-apocalyptic. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, the world hasn't ended, and uh, this is what's going on. Um, yeah. Um, okay, well, when you get closer to actually putting something out, you can come back and be a guest on the show and talk about it. I would love to. That sounds, sounds great. Thank but, you very much. Sure. I would love to. Um, and so are you, you – the thing that – we learned after the fact is who's your who do you, who do you think is your uh, ideal reader? reader yes my ideal readers are typically people like i would say early 20s to mid 20s people who are exploring the more like the the line between multimedia and and art house stuff on the more film side of things but might be more open to the the cross-platform multimedia stuff that you get with with modern digital and and streaming releases, but but more or less on on the comic side. So it's that it's 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 an, to appeal to the group of people who are looking to get a little bit more than just a reading experience, because there's also tie-in stuff that uh, that ties into other things I'll be doing with animation and and film that tie into the comics. So it's it's a very much a multi-platform experience okay so but the comic is is essentially the core element of that and that's where the majority of the narrative is taking place Correct. we were told that you should have your audience ready to mm -hmm. go before you put which we found out after the fact <laughs> uh but you, that one of the things we were t told was you should you know no you should have like you know a fan base built up before you start putting yeah. thing out so that's uh, it's always like you're a fan of the concept I have, but um, you know, so that'd be our advice to you too. Is and um, I guess I'll suggest um, it's a big thick book, uh, which we've read after the fact. Uh, the business of business independent, of independent comic, comic book publishing. publishing. I would uh, read that. Uh, Gamal Hennessy, who is uh, 
he knows a lot of stuff. <laughs> He's a really smart. I will definitely give that a read. Thank um, you very much for the recommendation. Sure. Um, and, and again, I wish we had read this before we did it. Right. But, um, we just decided we wanted to do a comic book, and we just started doing it. We knowing nothing mm -hmm. about actually doing it or how to publish it or whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. And so we were, we sort of fell into. Uh, we figured digital would be the easiest when we kind of fell into comicsology. Yeah. And we actually, again, I'm. We made sort of a connection with, because uh, we were doing the the comic career connection, and they were sponsoring that. And we just couldn't find a we couldn't find a connection. And I think I wrote an email to Chip Mosier, not knowing who he was, saying, you know, we're trying to do this. And he goes, Yeah, I had the same problem, blah blah blah. So he suddenly kind of liked us and was helpful f to a point. Yeah. Uh, we never made a dime off Comicsology, as far as <laughs> I can tell. Um, and, and now it's pronounced Kindle. Yes, yeah, it's <laughs> Kindle. And we we dropped we, we just we just go right through Kindle. Uh, publishing as well so we're available to see I know you're dying to know this but we're available in print and digital so there's two mm -hmm. two print sources uh, Indie Planet also does digital uh, we're also on comics global comics yeah and we also are on Kindle and so it, it's a, a way for other you know different formats but it's basically it's all the same story we don't really change anything for them right but just want to make sure that you have it we want to be on enough platforms that if somebody really wanted to find us, they could, but not be like trying to be on too many at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a focused but selected group of specific platforms. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I think uh, Gamal mentioned, uh, oh, and then we're also, uh, he, he's the one that got us into global comics. It was his idea. And then he also thought that we should be in libraries. Yeah which is easier said than done uh, because libraries buy from certain people. They don't just, right. we tried with CSUN, which is where they went and yeah, it's close and that by. Didn't work out. Yeah, they were like, if we gave you the book, yeah, we'd sell it. We wouldn't put it on the shelf. Okay. Uh, and so we finally were able to make a connection with Library Pass. Um, uh, and it took a long time for them to get around to, I mean, I, I reached out to them and they were not ready yet to talk to you. And it was like several, like almost I'd say a year before we actually got around to actually connecting and we're now available. At least the first trade is available on library pass. Yeah. And the second trade, which we did only for them at this point, uh, should be available soon if it's not, but that's another Avenue, uh, digital it's digital, uh, you know, uh, checking out i guess whatever. yeah so it's another way of trying to hopefully make some money at it yeah as i say i think i'm the one that actually hasn't made any money on, on power square <laughs> and you right. but, uh, <laughs> uh, everybody else has made something like julia's made money on it and rachel and janet and trevor but yeah. i i have not yet made any money so good luck with yours <laughs> well thank you I, I I go I'm going into it expecting it to not make some make much, but we'll we'll see how it we'll, we'll see how it goes. You never know. And and some people so. uh, they hit it and they're you know uh, I don't know if anybody makes a living doing it. But the other thing is you can people I think make a living off Kickstarters. Yeah. There's some yeah. There's some people that do like a Kickstarter every month or have two Kickstarters going or whatever. Yeah. Well, and, we were also told you shouldn't. Uh, 
do too many Kickstarters like in a row because you'll burn people out. Yeah, and it's yeah you do, and you want it to be a lifestyle, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, for some sure. Pe- some people do, and they they send you know. I'm always amazed when somebody like you know f- day one twenty six thousand dollars like oh man. You know. Uh, uh, well, the opportunity I wanted to give another bit of advice with uh, writing the script. Uh, there's uh, something I read that Alan Moore said about a uh, number of words in a panel that I've tried to stick to, mm-hmm. which was uh, what he learned from his time at DC, and it was basically uh, uh, no more than 25 words in a balloon and no more than 35 words total in a panel. Which is also something we learned after the fact. <laughs> <laughs> Try to make that's a work. that's very good advice. Yeah. Like that's that's really cool. Yeah. Then you I'll don't, say this. Oh, sorry. So then you don't overcrowd the. Yeah, it makes know. perfect sense. That's good advice. I'll say this one too, because um, like when I used to take screenwriting back in college, if you do have an idea, it sometimes it's best just to blurt it out as best as you can in your script or your paper, and then once you jot all the the ideas, just like stick it in the drawer for like a few days and don't look at it. Yeah, and come at back to it that way. At least that way, when you do look back at it, you'll be it with a fresh mindset of just having a jumble going like, "No, this is terrible," but throw it in the shredder. <laughs> yeah, I've done that. <laughs> all right. Do you have any other questions for us, or? I I think that covers everything. Okay. Thank you guys so much for taking the time. Okay. We're uh, happy to do it. Yeah, I guess one last thing. Uh huh. Uh, I like rec- I uh, would want to rec- I recommend also uh, manga in theory and practice by Ooh, manga in theory and practice by uh, Hirohiko Araki, the creator of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yeah, JoJo. Yeah. Uh, Got it. Absolutely. I didn't know he wrote a book. I will definitely check that out. Yeah. Um, it's at the very least, it's interesting to read the. Uh, read a Japanese perspective of writing. Yeah, sorry. Especially for yeah. Uh, someone who was successful in Shonen Jump. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Ultra yeah. Jump. Yeah. And uh, since uh, you mentioned you're writing a post-apocalyptic story, I also uh, would mention I also liked the game Death Stranding. Yeah, Death Stranding's great. Yeah. I liked how it explored, like, the while it could be silly at times, I also liked how it mm-hmm. explored uh, humanity actually trying to uh, kind of reconnect after the apocalypse. Yeah. Um, also, if you're going to have uh, fight scenes going on, we'd recommend uh, another book, uh, Fight Right. Um, fight Right. Yeah, and the Carla uh, is a master of a bunch of different um, uh, martial arts and she kind of writes sort of like how you know fights don't go on you know if a street fight is usually like over in a couple of seconds and you don't want you know people break their hands and you know it's not like you see and you know punch not out like each other for hours and hours yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah so I mean it was sort of a uh, we met her at a, at a novel writing uh, seminar conference conference in pasadena and we were recommending her to maybe try to do her little show at uh, comic-con but she hasn't been able to get in yet yeah but uh she's you saw her do her yeah yeah and she kind of walks you through kind of yeah different kinds of fights and how they would go and things like that so if, if you're gonna have fight scenes in your post-apocalyptic world you might want to check that out too 
I will definitely check it out. Okay. So. So I think that covers it. It covers it. So until next time, I'm David Hankins. I'm Paul Hankins. I'm Julia Cannon. And you've been on the air with Power Squared. Bye. Bye.